This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Praise God. This week, the title is this, End Times Thriving Part 2. And last week, we looked at, uh, looked at some things that are keys to not only survival, but thriving in the end times. Because like we said, I'm not a survivor. Right. I I mean, I'm a thriver. You know, I had cancer. I had leukemia when I was three and a half. And so people want to tell me, man, you're a cancer survivor. I'm like, no, I'm a cancer butt kicker because of the name of Jesus. (laughs) It survived that man. We thrived through that. And, uh, you know, and so uh, that's what God does. His goal isn't to just barely let you squeak by, just barely, barely win, barely make it into heaven. What the will of God is, is for you to thrive. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Now, some people will tell you, well, I mean, you know, that, I, I know that, but, but really, that's, God doesn't promise you health. God doesn't promise to take care of you in this way. And yes, he does. If you'll read the book, if you'll read his will, God's got promises to us from Genesis to Revelation that you need to get a hold of if you're going to thrive in the end times. Who's ready to thrive? Amen. I'm right. Man, I am not a survivor. I'm a thriver. And so I was re- I was reflecting and and right before uh, 2020 opened up, uh, Kenneth Copeland had had a word for the year. And he said, this is going to be a year of visions and dreams. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. 20, you know, and everyone's the, the obvious slogan for 2020 is you got to have 2020 vision. I mean, that was everybody set that up. That was just, you know, it, it was cool, but it's kind of generic after a while. So 2020 vision, let's do this. And but so, you know, he, he's saying it's going to be a year, of, a, a year of dreams and visions. And so I'm like, cool, man, you know, we want big dreams, reach for the stars. And, and I, I was thinking that and there's been some good stuff in that regard. But I can tell you that God's given a lot of people dreams Real, real godly Holy Ghost dreams about some warnings and some things to come. And, you know, a lot of people, they'll go a little far out in the dream world, and I'm not, I'm not into that. I just want Bible. And if your dream lines up with the Bible and it actually happens, then I'll believe you. But, it, you know, if those two things don't happen, then I don't, you know, I don't want to hear about your dreams. So, but there has been a lot of people that God has given some dreams to, and, and, and I'm like, man, it's, it's just more proof to me that, there's some stuff going on in this world. In fact, it's been crazy. God gave me a dream a couple months ago about uh, about someone that was that it was going to come back to church, and I didn't. In my mind, I was like, "No, that's. I mean, that's far. That's going to be a while. That's. I don't. I don't see that happening right now." And lo and behold, this month they're back and and hooking back up. I'm like, "What?" God, that was all from me. And I told their family, so they'll, they'll confirm that I actually said that to them. But, but it's incredible that God is doing some real things in the world right now, but we've got to pay attention and, and we've got to hook up and stick with the word of God. And so we're seeing prophecy fulfilled. We went over that last week. We're seeing a lot of incredible things happening that are speeding up the end times process. And I'm not going to go into all that this week, but I'm going to go over two key points today that are absolute essential for your end times thriving, okay? Not surviving, thriving. And these are two key, major key foundational things for you to overcome in the end times because 
if you study the Bible very much, you realize that there will be some difficult days that come to the world ahead. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy 3, he said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. Now, does that mean that we have to take the, the you know, do we have to get slapped around and beat up as Christians? No. We'll, we'll, we're going to see a lot of stuff. Psalm 91 says, only with your eyes will you behold and see the reward of the wicked. And so I'm, I'm not hoping and wishing for bad stuff to happen to me. But I do know that there's going to be some stuff go down in this world. And it's very important that you are on the right side of things. And this isn't conspiracy theory. This isn't far out stretching the truth. It's just you can see this. It is important that you're on the right side of things. And who's the right side of things? God. Every single time. God. The Bible is the right side of things. And so we're sticking to this no matter what. All right. And so I'm going to pray that I want to jump into two things that you have got to get a hold of for your thriving in the end times. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, that we are gathered here in your name. We're not gathered in my name. We're not gathered in any other name. We are gathered in the name above all names, the name of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray today that as we study your holy word, you're going to speak to us. You're going to show us what we need to see. Tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear, God. And I pray that we'll have ears to hear and eyes to see what you have for us today. In the name of Jesus, everybody said. So the first thing I'm going to say is this. Number one, key to your thriving, number one is the name of Jesus. Am I at church or am I, where am I at? Am I at Food for Less right now? I said, for you to thrive in the end times, you have got to have the name of Jesus on speed dial. Come on. My gosh. Listen. This is... You don't understand the full magnitude of the name of Jesus. And a lot of times in in our Western culture, we don't place a lot of significance upon names. You look at what celebrities name their kid. Uh, we named him Apple because we thought that was a cool thing. We named this one uh, Roof Tile because we were looking at a roof. Like, what in the world, man? Names have significance. And especially uh, in the Bible, that they were there was a lot of significance to the name. But the name of Jesus... That's not just some name that Mary thought, oh, that's kind of that's kind of the trend right now. Jesus is kind of one of the names for this year. No, the name of Jesus is the name above all names. He is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Prince of Peace, the the, the great I am. He's everything. And it's all wrapped up in this incredible name, the name of Jesus. And so this is one of the biggest advantages that you have as an end times Christian. Are you hearing me right now? Your access to using the name of Jesus is one of the greatest advantages that you have over the entire rest of the world. They can't just go out there and use the name. They say Jesus when they stub their toe or they their car breaks down. They say his name, but they're not saying it in the right way. When a born-again, spirit-filled Christian uses the name of Jesus in faith, mountains move. Seas are parted. Miracles happen when we use the name of Jesus. There is not a devil in hell that can stand up to the power of that name. It is incredible. Look with me this morning at John chapter 14. John 14. 
The name of Jesus is the one of the greatest gifts that you have ever been given access to. And I'm going to show you several scriptures. I had to narrow this down because I was just, I was like, man, I can't put three dozen scriptures, passages in there. We'll be there all day. But I narrowed it down to just a couple. But John chapter 14, we're going to look at verses 13 and 14. But you need to get real accustomed to using the name of Jesus in your life. Don't be ashamed of that name. Don't be ashamed of that. When you're in public, you can use the name of Jesus. Man, Jesus loves you. How often do you hear that in the store? Not very often. You may hear the occasional, God bless you. But if you were to go around using the name of Jesus, we'll identify real quick that you're not just some some jokester. You're not some lukewarm Christian. If you're bold enough to use the name of Jesus in public, there's something different about you. John 14, verses 13 through 14, Jesus said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. That is the best news that I've heard all year long right there is John chapter 14, verse 13. He said, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. So when he says anything, what does that actually mean? Anything, right? Anything. That, that doesn't say, well, you can ask me for anything except for healing because that, that passed away and we don't do that anymore. Wrong. Jesus still heals people. Who believes that? I have seen miracles. I have seen Jesus absolutely heal people. He did it to me. He's done it to my dad. He's done it to so many of you in this room right now. He said, ask for anything in my name. And if I'm in the mood that day, I might actually do it for you. It had nothing to do with Jesus' mood or the Father's mood. He said, ask in my name and I will do it. So what's the key to receive it? It's to ask in his name. Now, are there some other guidelines? Are there conditions to this? Sure there are. 1 John 5.14 tells us we have to ask according to his will, right? Well, there you go. That's it right there. Who could possibly know the will of God? I know the will of God. I've got a Bible. You don't, you don't have to have a, go to Bible college. You don't have to have some degree or, or, or some special office. Any Christian can know the will of God if they'll read the Bible. It's not that hard to find. And so if I ask for anything according to his will, he hears us and he'll give it to me. And what's another condition? Well, according to Mark 11, I've got to ask in faith. I can't just say, Lord, I need a miracle right now. My God, I hope something actually happens this time because last time it didn't. Is that asking in faith? Is it? That's not asking in faith. That's, that's full of doubt. That's full of, of just wishful thinking. It doesn't say that, that, that we gotta have wishfulness in God. We gotta have faith in God, Mark 11, 22. And so if I'm asking according to His will and in faith, something's gonna happen when I use the name of Jesus. I can tell you that right now. Does it happen instantly? A lot of times it does. Sometimes it takes a minute, but the answer always comes. If not, then Jesus just told a lie. And if someone's lying and I got to choose between you and Jesus, I pick you. Well, I used his name and nothing happened to me. I don't, something got fouled up in the mix somewhere, but it wasn't on Jesus part. 
I've, I've had some mistakes. I, I'm sure I've had some clunkers out there before. But listen, I don't ever say, Jesus, what's wrong with you? Why didn't this? I got to look at my life. And every time there's been something on my, yeah, I've got to fix that. Yeah, I got to love my neighbor as myself before I expect that mountain to move. I got to obey the word of God. But I'm telling you, a Christian using faith in the name of Jesus, that is one of the biggest weapons that we have in the end times right now. And, and in fact, when we even read that verse, he says, ask for anything. I mean, that sounds like it's almost too good to be true. Anything, Jesus? Well, Jesus said anything. It's not my words. Anything and you will do it. Really? I mean, that just sounds, that sounds too good to be true. Has anyone ever tried to sell you something and you're like, there's gotta, there's a catch somewhere to this. There's no way that you're gonna, you know, give me a, a million dollar house for five dollars. You know, yeah, people try to sell you the most bogus stuff and, and there's a catch somewhere. There's no catch with Jesus. He's not out there to trick you. He's out there to help you. He's not trying to make it hard. He's trying to smooth out the road ahead of you. Listen, he said, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. And do you know why he wants to do that? Why does Jesus just, well, he said it right here. It says, so the son can bring glory to the father. You think Jesus wants to do these incredible miracles in your life just so you'll look cool and people will be impressed with you? No, he's doing it because when God, when, when somebody out there, when a, a doubter, when a skeptic, when a hater sees a miracle happen in Rosalinda's life, they're like, oh my gosh, there's something to this thing. She's been, this Jesus stuff she's talking about, it must be real. What happens? Does she get the glory or does God the Father get the glory? The Father gets the glory because she's going to say, oh no, no, it's not me. It's Jesus. Don't, don't, don't look at me. It's Jesus. She's going to point him to Jesus and he's going to get the glory. Amen. And so Jesus wants to do incredible things in your life. Yes, because he loves you so much, but also because it brings glory to the father. And I'm saying, Jesus, if you need to do something in me to bring glory to the father, do it, man. You need to heal me. You need to bless me. You need to use me. Do it so you can bring Glory to the Father in the name of Jesus. Who knows there's power in the name of Jesus? You're not just saying that because you're in church and it's the right answer, right? Okay. So there is power in the name of Jesus. I cannot count how many times the name of Jesus has absolutely saved my life. You know, and it could be big things. It can be little things, but that name has pulled me out of every mess that I've ever gotten myself into and even things that have come up against me that I didn't invite into my life. But one thing I was just I was just reflecting yesterday, like, man, Lord, I'm just thinking back on some of the things you've done. Yes, he healed me of leukemia and that was the name of Jesus. No doubt about it. And a lot of most people know my story, but I'm in a children's hospital. One day my blood is filled up to the full with cancer and I'm dying as a three and a half year old kid. And the next morning I hadn't walked in months, man. It it had been several months since I'd been able to take a single step. One day they go to take my blood and I just, I just felt something pick me up off of this hospital table and I took off running down the hallway. And I mean, I'm not adding to this. I'm not trying to make the story sound extra spectacular, 
It's all truth. And so I'm running around and dancing and I'm singing this song. We went to this Pentecostal church in Indianapolis and we had this song that Miriam wrote in the book of Exodus. I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. And so, and so it's in the Bible, but I'm running. There's doctors chasing me, trying to get me. So they get me and they, they get, and and they start taking my blood instantly. And God is my witness. The day before, my blood was filled with cancer. The very next day, zero trace that I had ever had cancer in my entire life. And in fact, the doctors, they said, he's got 100% mature white blood cells. That is a scientific impossible. That takes months to develop his blood. And I went back every week, every month, every year until I was 18 years old. I've got scars on my arms and on my back from spinal taps. And never again do they find one trace of cancer that I had ever even existed in my body. Lucky. Not lucky. It's the name of Jesus that did that. Amen. Luck had nothing to do with that. In high school, I went through this period where I was having nightmares every night. And in fact, I, I, I mean, just, just bad, crazy, bad dreams and, and, and waking me up at night, but I'd be paralyzed. And I found out this is a thing called sleep paralysis and I'd be, I couldn't move and I'd be trying to break free. And after a while, I'm like, you know what? This has gone on long enough. The same name that healed me of cancer, I'm sure it could take care of some sleep issues. So one night, my, I was in high school, 2003, that's how long ago it was. I, before I went to bed, I said, in the name of Jesus, I will sleep perfectly tonight. No bad dreams, none of this paralysis, nothing. I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus from ever messing with my sleep again. 17 years now, and I've had good dreams every night for 17 years. Never again, not one time in 17 years has that happened. Lucky? No! It's the name of Jesus. Amen? That's how powerful that name is. It's the name above all names. Let's look at Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Who's having a good time today? You guys started off slow, but you're warming up now. We got you. We got you cooking a little bit. All right. Luke chapter 10. I'm sorry, I cannot do quiet church. I don't, I didn't grow up that way. My mama raised me better than that. We, <laughs> we participate. Luke chapter 10, verses 17 through 19. And so you guys realize Jesus had more than 12 disciples. I've told you this, but you need to remember. So there were more than just the 12. And so in this instance, he sent out 72 other disciples. So there were the 12 ones that were his main disciples, his apostles, but there was a lot more. So Luke chapter 10, verse 17, and so he sent them out to do his work. When the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Not, well, they obey us because they knew we had been hanging out with you and we, we met you one day and so they're, now they're afraid of us and, and they heard room. No. They obey when we use your name. Yes, he told them. He, he wasn't surprised. He didn't say, oh, my gosh, are you guys serious? Are you serious right now? The demons obey you? I, I mean, I, it was a theory, but I didn't know it would actually work. Jesus wasn't surprised at all. He said, yes, absolutely. I, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over 
all the power of the enemy. And you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. Jesus wasn't uh, surprised. He wasn't shocked that his name caused demons to flee. He wasn't shocked that his name caused miracles to happen. Why? He said, man, I'm not afraid of the devil. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I was there when he got kicked out and God didn't just ask him to leave. God kicked him out of heaven so fast and so hard. I saw Satan fall like lightning. He was not shocked that his name caused miracles to happen. And so I'm telling you right now, as an end times Christian, get real comfortable, get real familiar, get real used to using the name of Jesus everywhere you go. Now, I've noticed there's not much opposition if you would just want to generically, vaguely throw the name of God out there. Most people, I mean, most people don't care that much. Like, God bless you. Thank you. Uh, you know, well, you know, God, the man upstairs, that, that doesn't make the devil flee the man upstairs. Come on. Listen, most people don't really care if you'll just vaguely, generically, yes, God. But if you start using the name specific, the name of Jesus, that makes the devil real mad. And it's going to make some people really, really mad that, that, that are submitted to the devil. And so I'm, I'll share a story real quick. I wasn't going to share this, but this is the, probably the most wild story of my entire life. So, you know, just buckle up. This is a wild story. <laughs> just happened like two months ago. So this guy messaged me and called me and uh, I hadn't talked to him in a long time. He used to come to church here. And anyway, dude was really, really going through some weird stuff. And I'm like, why'd you call? I haven't heard from you in years. I mean, I, I, I know who you are, but he's like, and, and so he starts talking to me. He's like, man, I hate it at your church. Every time you guys use the name of Jesus all the time. And every time you did, I felt sick to my stomach. I couldn't stand it and I couldn't wait to get outside the doors. That name drives me nuts. I'm like, whoa, okay. I see where this is headed. So anyway, uh, I'm on the, this is all on the phone. And so he's talking to me and, and I'm like, you know what? We're getting ready to take care. And so he tells me a lot of other crazy and, and bad things. And this is the only time in my life this has ever happened. But I'm just telling you, anytime something like I see something like this, it even proves to me further how real the word of God is. And so he's like, I'm like, well, man, finally, can I pray for you? He's like, okay, I guess. And so I start praying in the name of Jesus, let this man go. And all of a sudden, on the other side of the phone, man, and you know, I'm not trying to freak anyone out, but this real happened in my backyard two months ago. I was on the phone, and I was, I was trying to grill some chicken, and so I burned the chicken. How bad is that? Stinking grill my, burn my dinner up. But anyway, but it, something better happened. So he's talking to me. Then, I mean, this voice comes out of the phone, leave him alone. He's mine. You can't have him. And I was like, oh boy, hold my jacket. Here we go. So we, in the name of Jesus, leave this man. And so I'm, I'm in my backyard screaming and yelling and binding and loosening. And my neighbors are probably back there like, we knew he was a preacher. Man, this guy's getting weird. I just moved in like 
I just moved in in May, so they already think I'm weird, but I am just yelling and screaming, leave him alone in the name of Jesus, I command you. And there's, I mean, me, I'm not making an ounce of this story up. If I am, God strike me, but every single bit of it. And so we're going back and forth and all of a sudden just something, something quit, something stopped right there. And, and he was like, what just happened? And I'm like, man, we just set you free. You have got to get into a church. And so, anyway, I, that's all I could do from there. I, he was going to a different church. Please go to your church, man. Please, please, please get into your church. I hope he did, but he's not contacted me since. But my good friend down in La Habra, Pastor Tori and Scott, he messaged him that same day and he's like, man, something's going on with this guy. I'm like, yeah, I've got a story to tell you, brother. <laughs> you listen to this one. And so, anyway, he thought that was kind of neat, but the devil hates the name of Jesus and it is, Jesus said, go, use my name. I'm, you're a Christian. Go use my name. I don't care. I want you to use my name and my name. And so look at this. Mark chapter 16. Again, I've tried to narrow down the, all, these, all these verses, but there's just too many good ones. Mark chapter 16. We're going to look at verses 17 through 18. Amen. We're having church today. Right? Mark chapter 16. Verses 17 through 18, this is in the New King James, Mark 16, 17 and 18. Jesus, right here, Great Commission, this is what he wants us to do. It said, and these signs will follow those who believe. What are the next three words? In my name, they will cast out demons. They, check, we do that. They will speak with new tongues. Check, we do that. They will take up serpents. I don't do that one, but I'm just... But we, if you, but if I had to, I would. But you guys know that I am not a snake fan. So anyway, but if, but if I had to, I would. And you would, you would know it's the name of Jesus then, because there's no other name that can make me touch a snake. Thank you, Jesus. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Check, check, check. We do all that stuff because. We believe that. I don't think this is a suggestion. I don't think that this is just a good idea. I think this is a command from Jesus as end times Christians of what he wants to do in his name. I was going to move to point two, but I got to tell one more story while we're at it. All right. Who wants one more story? Can we handle one more? So as I was in the children's hospital and a lot of you have heard this. So just humor me and and enjoy it again. All right. So as I'm in the children's hospital in Indianapolis, uh, you know, I was in there for a little bit and I mean, I was getting spinal taps that hurts really bad, especially at three and a half that just stinking hurts. So, uh, you know, 30 years later, man, I've got these scars still, but they're taking my blood, doing all this stuff. And every time, man, I was just screaming and crying a little kid in pain. And so my dad's best friend who, who visits here sometimes from Indiana, uh, he comes in one night and he's like, you know, my dad's, you guys know him as pastor, but my dad's name's Bernie. So Bernie, what's going on, man? What, what can I hook up with in agreement? And, and my dad's like, I know that the healing is coming. He's going to walk out of here, but I don't want him to be in pain in the meantime. I I don't want to see my, my kids suffer and scream like this until the miracle happens. I need something to happen. And so Gary opened up there in Matthew where it says where two or more Ask anything in my name. I'm there in the midst, and I will do it. And so Gary, great man of God, he says, I'm going to 
I'm going to, I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to speak some faith that for the rest of his time in here, he is not going to feel pain. Well, that, that's a scientific impossibility. That, that's medically impossible. You have to feel blah, 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 blah. And so there's a, yeah, of course that's impossible. Of course, but God doesn't operate. He's not bound by what's possible to you. For with God, all things are possible. And so Gary laid hands on me and my dad said, this is your faith. I'm piggybacking on your faith because I, I'm just not there yet. He laid hands on me and again, not making this up. God is my witness. For then my next, you know, I wasn't in there a whole lot longer, maybe, a, you know, a couple weeks or something. The rest of my time in there and and for years afterwards, years, years, any shot, any medical procedure, anything that had to do with that. I did not feel the needle or the spinal. T- I did not feel it touch my body. God is my witness. And so they'd be sitting there. I'm getting blood transfusions, putting blood into me, taking blood out, jabbing things in me. I'm just sitting there laughing, smiling, whistling, just doing, you know, being a little. And there's kids all around me screaming their heads off. And I did not feel one needle, not one ounce of pain regarding that. Okay, if I was out on the playground and fell. Yeah, but regarding that, I didn't feel pain in that in that regard. I mean, until I was six, seven years old. And well, that's impossible. Great. That's a that's exact. It's not a miracle if it's possible. Miracles happen when the impossible happens. And how did that happen? In the name of Jesus. Can you see why Satan doesn't want you to use the name of Jesus in 2020? He's got plans brewing and building and and ready to go. And the name of Jesus could totally squash it from happening in your life. You need to realize the power of the name of Jesus. The second thing I'm going to say is this. Keys to your end end times thriving. Number one, the name of Jesus. Number two, you got to get a backbone. You have got to get a backbone because there are going to be some things that you're going to have to take a stand for. Not only this year, but moving forward in the future. There is going to have Christians are going to have to eventually Take a stand against some things, against some wickedness, against some things of the enemy. And if we can't do that, Satan has free course to do what he wants to do, right? And so who thinks that some Christians need some backbone? I'm not, you know, I'm not talking about being little rebels and I'm not into that. I'm a very compliant person. I mean, I'm a basically I'm a sissy. I hate to say that in front of a group of people, but I'm a very soft person. I don't like to go against any rule. But there comes a point in time where Christians got to have some backbone and say, all right, all right. You're not going to tell me I can't use the name of Jesus in public. You're not going to tell me that I can't sing to God inside of a church. Where do we draw the line? Christians have got to stand up, and as we've seen over the past six months, that Satan would love to silence and shut up Christians and churches all over the world, and in America, now more than ever before, Christians have got to stand up for some things. I'm just saying, it's got to happen. And so... I was reading this, and, and, and so this is, I read this, this came out in August from the Barna Research Group. I've told a lot of you about this, but the Barna Research Group, very respected uh, uh, research firm, they surveyed over a thousand churches in the United States from New York to LA, over a thousand churches, 
And it looks like, according to them, if nothing changes, one in five churches in America will permanently shut their doors within the next 18 months due to COVID restrictions. They can't survive it. All right, one in five? That means in Barstow, in the high desert, in California. What's that? 20% of churches. For every 100 churches, 20 will shut down and not reopen. You think Satan's not, like, loving that? Yeah, he'd love churches to shut down right now. He would love for to permanently close the doors of God's house in so many different places because he knows that it's key and essential to survival. And, well, we are the church. We can, yeah, that's, sure, we all get that. Yes, absolutely, we are the church. Nobody's arguing that. But I've seen some weak Christians because they haven't been with God's people in God's house in six months. I've seen, sadly, some weak pastors, and they're hurting, and they're crying, and it's awful to see, and it's terrible. That's, that is, Jesus said, I am coming back for a glorious church, a church without spot or wrinkle or any such blemish. He's coming back for a powerhouse, not just, well, we're, we're, we're hanging in there. We're, we're trying, man. We're hanging in there. We're not hanging in there. We're thriving. We're going to be an absolute force in the end times because of the name of Jesus. And so the president of the Barna Research Group, David Kinneman, noted that although many churches have opened up as states' orders have loosened, their services have had a lot less people coming. And so I'm looking at all these other states where they've got, you know, hey, go ahead, go to church, and the people just aren't going. I'm like, here we are in the finest hour for Christians to rise up and do what we've been called to do, and a lot of them are choking. I'm like, what's going on? This is your chance to stand up and do something for the kingdom of God in the end times. But we don't need churches shutting down right now. We need churches open doing the work of God. Who agrees with that? And so I'm just sharing, I'm sharing a few statistics. This is just for FYI. This isn't to, this is just FYI. But According to this survey of a thousand churches, 34% of churches reported a decline in giving by up to 20%. 22% of churches reported a decline of up to 50%, and 9% of churches reported a drop of, in giving of up to 75% or more. And I'm like, that is, well, that's awful. That's awful. We have, as, and I'm just, I give God the glory that, you know, and I've said this, and I'm not ashamed to say it, and, I'll, and, I'll, and so it's public knowledge, but, our church, this has been the highest financial year that we've had in a decade, man. And it's like, like, well, where'd that come from? But it's every month, every single month, and we had been struggling for a little bit, but as soon as March hit, every month, we've just, God's people, like, you know what, it's getting real. We better start tithing and, and just strangers. And, and it's all the glory to God, but we haven't had to take a government loan. We haven't had to beg for money, do fundraising. It's God gets all the glory, but he has taken care of us better than ever before. And it's been incredible, and we thank Jesus for that. But I'm telling you, when we take a stand for what's right, when we take a stand, when we put actions to our words, actions speak louder than words, right? And so this is the time for Christians to get some backbone and say, you know what? You're not going to tell me I can't use the name of Jesus. You're not going to tell me I can't sing. You're not going to tell me this is the end times. This is time for Christians to rise up. Hebrews 10.25. Can we look at that? Hebrews 
This is a, this was our theme verse for 2019. Hebrews 10.25, but this is so important for us to get. Hebrews 10.25. Now in the King James it says, let us not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. The assembling of ourselves means let's not forsake showing up together at church. I mean, you know, that, that's, that's what it is. And so, but I, I'm going to look at this in the Passion Translation. It says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. Who thinks that this is a good time to pull away and, and neglect meeting together? I think this is a really bad time to pull away and neglect meeting together. As some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. I found that out. My gosh. We need each other. I need you. Hopefully you need me. We need each other in this time. It says, in fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Well, what's that day? That's the day that Jesus comes back and gets us. And so especially now that the day of his return is drawing near, we as Christians need to be together and standing up unified in the name of Jesus. Not in our name, not in the name of this church, but in the name of Jesus Christ. And so it's going to make the devil mad when you stand up and use the name of Jesus. Has anybody realized that in your life? I mean, did you have family members that when you were drunk and high and stealing, they didn't say anything to you about it? Then you start going to church and now they think you're crazy? I've heard stories of that. I mean, you know, my dad told me he, he used to be an alcoholic. And, 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 and when, when he was out there getting arrested and drunk and, and getting in fights, his family didn't care at all. They never said anything to him about it. Like, okay, well, yeah, you know, how you doing? They, they didn't care at all when he was drunk. But then when he started going to church, they thought he was crazy. That bothered them. I'm not getting drunk. I'm not getting arrested anymore. And church is bad. I'm not getting in fights anymore. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not losing jobs anymore. And, 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 and now you think I'm crazy? Why? Because the things of God will, will always make the people of this world angry and confuse the devil and make the devil mad and try to work through people. But I'm just going to tell you this verse, write it down. Second Timothy 3.12 says, yes. And everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. And so, you know, this isn't something we like to talk about, but it's our job to prepare ourselves for the day and age in which we live. And so it says anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. If your Christian walk isn't rubbing anyone the wrong way, not that we're trying to offend people, but if there's somebody that is just absolutely anti-God, your Christian walk should rub them the wrong way. You know, there's an old question that it was a song and people used to ask it. But if being a Christian was against the law, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would they be able to show up at your house? You know what? Let's look at what they watch on TV. Oh, no, there's nothing. I'm, they're not Christians. Let's see what's on their iTunes. Oh, no, they're listening. To, no, the, no, move on to the next house. These guys definitely aren't Christians. Where, there, maybe we'll find a Bible. No, there's no Bible. Oh, there's a Bible over there. It's got a, six inches of dust on it. These people aren't Christians. Let's move on to the next house. Just something to think about. 
Because I'm saying, if it's against the law, I'm like, hey, I'm a felon, dude. I am taking this serious, man. This is everything to me right here. And I'm again, write this down. I'm not turning there right now. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Matthew 5, 11 through 12. Jesus said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. Man, people are making fun of me. They said I'm crazy. And they said this. Rejoice. Be happy. They did that to the prophets and they're going to do it to you too. If if you're taking a stand, if you've got enough guts to stand up for Jesus, expect a little heat to come your way. But don't cry and stop taking your stand when it comes. Rejoice and say yes. I have been counted worthy to be to receive a little bit because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. John chapter 15. Let's flip there. We're going to wind down here in a second. John chapter 15. But I'm telling you, for you to thrive in the end times, you're going to need to know how to use the name of Jesus. And you're going to need to know how to have some backbone and not be a little sissy and just cave in every time they tell you you can't do something that God does tell you to do. John 15. So I've been following this guy online, Sean Foyt, right? And so a lot of you guys know who he is, but he's been doing, going city to city, leading these massive outdoor Christian worship services. And it's been incredible, and it's been growing by the thousands. In fact, a few weeks ago, he went to the state house in Sacramento, and 3,000 people showed up, and they worshiped and sang, and, 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 and they just, it was an awesome time. But I was watching them in Seattle. And so they showed up. And I mean, they, they've got some guts because to, to have a backbone for Jesus, you, you gotta have a little bit of guts. You gotta be, you know, I'm willing to take one for the team here. So they showed up in Seattle and Antifa showed up and started just heckling and, and yelling things and, and all this stuff. But I was watching this video and there was the best thing ever. You can hear the guy, uh, on, on the video, one of the Antifa guys is like, you know what? These people are crazy. The more we yell, it's like the happier they get. Like, the more you yell, the more we're going to sing. If you tell us to quit singing, we're just going to crank it up. My amp only goes to 10. I'm going to turn it to 11. We're going to get louder and louder and louder for the name of Jesus. And you can't silence the name of Jesus. And so I love this. But John 15, verse 18, Jesus said, if the world hates you, I remember that they hated me first. That's nothing new. Oh, you're sad because they hate you? They hated me before they ever hated you. The world would love you as one of its own if you belong to it, but you are no longer part of the world. Is there anybody in here that you are no longer part of the world? They loved you when you belonged to them, but now you don't, and so they hate you. He said, I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. And so that's what I'm saying. It's going to rub that he's mad that he lost you. The devil wants you back, but you're not coming back because you're taking a stand for Jesus. The world hates us because we won't go along with everything they want us to do. We stand for something. If we if we would just tap out now and say, you know what, fine, we'll, we'll give you what you want. Yeah, they'd welcome us back with open arms, but we're not tapping out. We're sticking with Jesus and we're sticking to what he told us to do. And so 
We're taking a stand. I want to look at one more verse. Mark chapter 13. Mark 13. Who's with me? Who's going to give me just like a couple more minutes here? Mark chapter 13. Because again, Jesus gave us plenty of warning of what things would be like. And this is from the famous Olivet Discourse. It's most famous in Matthew 24, but we're going to look at Mark's uh, account of it. Mark chapter 13, verses 9 through 11. But man, who's excited about Jesus? I'm excited. I wake up thinking about Jesus. I go to bed thinking about Jesus. Jesus is everything, man. Mark chapter 13, verses 9 through 11. So he's telling you, man, it's going to get crazy in the end times. Verse 9, when these things begin to happen, watch out. You will be handed over to the local councils and beaten in the synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Can you imagine you're arrested for being a Christian and the governor's there and, well, what do you have to say? Defend yourself. Okay, I'll get to that. But first, I need to tell you about something else. This is my opportunity to tell you about Jesus. Jesus said, boom, golden opportunity. They're not going anywhere. You've got a captive audience if you're in the courtroom and they ask you to talk. Yeah, we're going to talk about Jesus. And so this is your opportunity, he said, verse 10, for the good news must be preached to all nations. But when you are arrested and stay in trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Man, I'm not going to pre-write something. I'm not going to. Holy Spirit, you just say what you need to say in the name of Jesus. But we are not afraid. We are not backing down. This is the time for the church of Jesus Christ to arise, not go into hiding. The world needs answers, and we have those answers right here. We've got the name of Jesus, and we aren't afraid to use it. We're not ashamed of that name. Just like Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to save. And so we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's very apparent that in the end times, Jesus expects Christians to take some difficult stands for him. But he's given us plenty of advanced warning about that. And so you as an individual have some tough questions to answer in this day and in this age. And I've, we've said it a million times. I see it all over the Internet. But this is a very good thing to say to all of us. Don't say you'd go to jail for your faith if you won't even go to church for it. I'd go to jail for my faith. Man, you're too embarrassed to pray for your lunch at work. You don't lie. You wouldn't go to jail for your faith. You'd cave the second they came and said something to you. Kidding me? Everyone, we're going to call your bluff on that one. That's not being mean. But you got to get real with yourself right now and say, you know what? Am I willing to take one for Jesus? Am I willing to stand up even if it means they give me a ticket? Even if it means that they say, no, are we willing to stand up for Jesus? And uh, there's this quote, it's my last thing, but Alexander Hamilton said, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. And there's a lot of things we could take a stand for, you know, plenty of good stuff. But I've determined the main thing I want to take a stand for is Jesus Christ. Because he took us, he took, he, he rose up 
and he stood for me one day. He stood and he took a beating and he died on that cross, a humiliating death. He stood for me. I'm going to stand for Jesus right now. And it, it's, it's real. And I'm telling you, you've got to start taking your faith more serious than ever. And don't let anything stop you from being in God's house, being in God's will, being in God's word. If Jesus could rise from the dead, you can rise from the bed. Get up, read your Bible, go to church and do something for Jesus. Can we get an amen today? Amen. God is good. Let's stand up together. Who's excited to be alive in 2020? Who's excited that you've got three months to make heaven on earth right here where you live? Amen. And so I saw yesterday in Washington, D.C., nearly 100,000 Christians showed up for Franklin Graham's prayer march and for Rabbi Jonathan Kahn's uh, prayer event, the day of return. Nearly 100,000 Christians showed up and took a stand. And I'm like, man. Finally, we're getting some people that are standing up and not going into hiding. They're taking a stand for the name of Jesus. So I'm saying count me in with that all day long. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.